Coming up on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, breaking down how Andrew Chafin was a major pickup for the Arizona Diamondbacks, looking ahead at some spring training bubble questions, and then part three, four, I don't even know what Sully Baseball doing our way too early World Series predictions, all on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. And one of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel because currently you can watch me playing with my hair because it is looking lopsided in a mess today. I don't really know what to do with it. Might have to cut it soon, getting really long. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. But for today's podcast, I first want to start off by talking about that Andrew Chafin pickup by the D-backs because Andrew Chafin was on the market for a hot while. Like there's still some quality free agents on the market. We just saw the San Diego Padres pick up Michael Walker. Like he's coming off a pretty good year. That could be a pretty great bargain deal for the San Diego Padres but for the D-backs picking up Andrew Chafin was a low-key major move because we know this D-backs bullpen has been awful for quite a while now and they finally had this new philosophy come into this season of getting hard-throwing pitchers and maybe even picking up dudes who are actually good. That's what they did with Andrew Chafin here. Now, before Andrew Chafin, it was a lot of flyers and potential upside guys because of their velo, but no one that was proven. This is the first proven guy, unless you think Miguel Castro is proven. This is the first legit proven guy that the D-backs have picked up for the bullpen this offseason, and it's also a little bit of a coming-home ceremony. It's like LeBron James going back to Cleveland because Andrew Chafin was drafted in the first round of the 2011 draft by the D-backs, and he looked really good. His first stint in Arizona, a 3-6-8 ERA, over 271 innings pitch. He was really solid here in AZ, and it was kind of sad when he left because the bullpen, ever since he left, has not been the same. His last season with the D-backs was 2019. Basically, since then, his D-backs bullpen has been in shambles because if you look at some of the signings by the D-backs since 2020 when Andrew Chafin left, like, why did we let him leave? Not quite sure. Probably financial reasons, but here are some relievers the D-backs have signed since then that have actually made appearances and contributions or lack of contributions to this D-backs roster since Andrew Chafin's left. Remember Hector Rondon, 2020? Not good. I'm looking, I'm going to go year by year too. So we're starting 2020. Hector Rondon, terrible. Junior Guerrera, 
didn't really have that bad of a year in terms of ERA was pretty solid. Walks per nine was way too high, but he was solid. You know, if I had to rate how he was for the D-backs this season, probably a B minus. But Hector Rondon was absolutely terrible for the D-backs in 2020. Look ahead at 2021. Joaquin Soria, he was traded at the deadline. Wasn't very good. Tyler Clippard, he missed a lot of the season with injury, I think, and then came back. He was fine. Not very good. Not very great. Chris Davinsky, a lot of time missed due to injury as well. He's not a very good pitcher either. So you look at 2020, 2021, not really anybody of quality that the D-backs signed. 2022, Mark Melanson. We were like, whoa, there was a proven guy, all-star. Hopefully Andrew Schaafen turned into Mark Melanson. But Melanson was signed last year. He didn't have a very good season. He'll be back with his D-backs team this season. Ian Kendi was another quote-unquote proven guy. He had a really down season as well, which was really... Shocking to see, but you look at the D-backs relievers the last three years, and it's pretty much all misses for this D-backs bullpen. And so now you bring in Andrew Schaefen, who is a legit reliever, someone who never should have left Arizona, and someone who is going to help out this bullpen a ton, because this is someone that did rack up three saves last year, not really a closer, but can be a spot closer in certain situations if you need him to. Last year with the Tigers, a 2-8-3 ERA, over 57 innings pitch, and he had double-digit strikeouts per nine. So you're getting someone that has a low ERA, someone that can still rack up the strikeouts. Now, he's not exactly fitting that profile of someone that is a hard-throwing um, lefty or anything like that, but what Andrew Schaefen is is a pretty hard-throwing ground ball, sinker ball, pitcher because last season that's his go-to pitch it's been his go-to pitch throughout the majority of his career average just to take under 92 miles per hour on a single ball and he definitely pitches the contact with that because he gave up a 319 average with that sinker ball but his slider is so nasty only only a 0.085 average allowed a batting average below 100 allowed against that slider which is really his I want to say his put-away pitch because he's put away 26.5% of the batters. He faces with that slider more than any of his other pitches. Throws in that four-seam fastball a lot too. Like Definitely throws the sinker ball the most, but it's pretty close, the, split, the, the splits in terms of usage between his sinker, slider, and fastball. Definitely is a contact ground ball pitcher, which I don't always love, as you guys know when I talk about the Tyler Gilberts of the world, but Andrew Schaefen, someone that's proven it, over the course of a long haul, and someone that's also a reliever. I don't like Tyler Gilbert as a starter, but if he was just a one-inning reliever and he was effective at getting ground balls, that wouldn't mind it. And also, Andrew Schaefen does throw in the low 90s, can hit 92, 93 miles per hour, so he's not atrocious at picking up his velocity. And look at his numbers last season, 50% ground ball rate is solid, better than solid, very good. 86.2 mile an hour exit velocity, very good as well. Only 222 average allowed on the whole, OPS allowed 619. The only number that was concerning was that 293 batting average on balls in play. But again, he's a sinker ball pitcher. He's going to have balls in play. He's going to pitch to contact. So you're not worried about it at all. And now you look at this D-backs bullpen as starting to show a semblance of maybe being mediocre at least. Like mediocre is the baseline the D-backs are trying to get to because the last, since 2020, it's been below mediocre. It's been quite literally You can make the argument the worst 
bullpen in baseball since 2020. 2020, 2021, 2022. Cumulatively, those three years, I think the D-backs have had the worst bullpen in baseball. But for next season, I still don't love the D-backs bullpen, but there's at least a couple guys that I would trust now. It used to be, ah, maybe just Mantiply and nobody else. But now, you got Andrew Chafin with the Mantiply. Kyle Nelson came on strong last year. That's three legit guys that I should be able to trust. And then you got some potential swing and misses, feast or famine type players with the Mark Melansons if he could turn back the clock. He, he It wasn't that long ago. He was an all-star just the year prior to signing with the D-backs. Can he get back to that form? We'll see. Miguel Castro has potential to be a high threes guy, maybe a little bit erratic, but throws hard. He could be solid. Kevin Ginkle, in terms of numbers, was saw last year. Maybe he could build upon that as well. Maybe some of the newbies like Cole Solzer, Carlos Vargas, some of these guys that are supposed to be hard-throwing relievers. Maybe one of them will pop. You even bring in some old-timey experienced relievers. Those usually don't work out in Arizona, but Yuri's familia. He is someone with a lot of closing experience, and maybe the D-backs would like to give him a chance at the closer role. So as it currently stands, I thought this was a major move by the D-backs because I still didn't trust this D-backs bullpen before this move. I'm still not going to trust it after, but at least you added a dude to the bullpen who I do trust. The bullpen as a whole is still untrustworthy, but at least you added a legit arm to the bullpen, a legit go-to person, high-leverage situations that now Tori Lavelle could go to. You also got a man to apply, at least two go-to arms. Now, do you love that they're both um, lefties? I don't know if you like that. Still need a quality righty to emerge from this D-backs bullpen. But as it currently stands, it's looking a lot better than last year's D-backs bullpen. And if you want to bet on the D-backs bullpen, Taking a step forward this season, you need to head to FanDuel.com because the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. One second. Let me pause this ad read real quick because for my YouTube audience, I got to put my overlay on. So let me actually start from the top because the midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure and super easy to use. They can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. That's what I love doing with my Lakers. LeBron, 25 points. LeBron, 7 rebounds. LeBron, 7 assists. And you pair that with Anthony Davis, 25 points. Anthony Davis, 10 rebounds. My favorite same game parlay to do. And I feel like more often than not, it hits. But who's really checking their bank account nowadays? So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. We can go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more at FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. And now let's take a little look at some spring training battles 
with the D-backs because I'm not talking about dudes who... I don't want this to be a conversation about dudes who might emerge from spring training who are battling like maybe a Brandon Fat or something like that. I want this mostly to be a conversation of dudes who played with the D-backs last year who are on the fringe of making the roster this year. Mostly want to keep it to guys who we've seen and guys who we've um, been accustomed to. And I just want to keep it to position players as well because as we know, you're allowed to have 26 players on your roster and you can have up to 13 pitchers as your max on your roster. So that means basically every team is going to have 13 pitchers and 13 position players. So there's going to be a few position players who played last year for the D-backs who don't make it this year or newly acquired D-backs who don't make it this year. So I want to look at the players who were locked into one of those 13 position player spots and then look at the bubble guys and decide who's in and who's off this D-backs roster. So let's first go through the absolute locks for this D-backs roster. And this is in no particular order. This is just how I wrote it down. One, Carson Kelly. I don't see why Carson Kelly wouldn't be on the D-backs roster unless he's traded by opening day. Carson Kelly will be on the D-backs. Number two, Gabriel Moreno. Don't see the D-backs sending him down to AAA for any reason. And he already had a cup of coffee with the Toronto Blue Jays last year look fantastic. He had such a long cup of coffee that he actually is not even eligible for rookie of the year any longer. Number three, Christian Walker. Dude hit like 40 bombs last year. He's definitely going to be on the D-backs. Number four, Evelyn Goria. Um, I know he's old, but the D-backs signed him to play third base DH and just play 80 games if you can. Just be a power platoon bat. He will be on the roster. Number five, Keta Marte. Do I even need to elaborate? Number six, Josh Rojas, definitely Swiss Army Knife, second, third, outfield, DH, can do it all, speedster now, love Josh Rojas, he will be there. Number seven, Lords Guriel, the other half of that Gabriel Moreno trade, a really good outfielder, maybe doesn't have a ton, uh, a ton of upside in terms of power or speed, but just a solid contact hitter and just a solid player overall, Lords Guriel will definitely be on the roster. Number eight, the favorite for Rookie of the Year. Corbin Carroll. There's no world where Corbin Carroll's not on this roster. Trust me, he has potential to be an all-star plus-plus this year. Corbin Carroll will be there unless the D-backs want to tank this season. Number nine, Jake McCarthy had a solid breakout season last year. One of the fastest players in baseball and was able to sustain his hotness basically since the second time he was called up by the D-backs over like a three-month period. I'm really in on Jake McCarthy, one of the most underrated players in baseball. Very excited to see year two from him, I guess. Yeah, year two, let's call it. Number 10, Nick Ahmed coming off injury, of course. We'll see how he looks. We'll see how healthy he is. But there's no way Nick Ahmed is not starting for the D-backs at shortstop this year just because it's not like we had a great shortstop last year. You know at least Nick Ahmed could give you some defense. And maybe a year off, he'll be back. He'll be better than ever. He'll be healthy, a little bit fresher. That's a lot of wishful thinking, but we'll see with Nick Ahmed. And then my number 11 lock, who people think is really not a lock, who a lot of people have on the bubble, but I'm saying he's locked in because he's got speed, elite speed, and he's got elite defense, so I don't see why he wouldn't crack the opening day roster, Alec Thomas. Some people think maybe the D-backs start him out in AAA to get that swing working. I'm saying he's a lock for the roster just because I think he's so damn good defensively. I don't think you want a Jake McCarthy roaming the outfield every day because it's not like Jake McCarthy's an elite defender. I don't think he's bad, but Alec Thomas, you could put him and Corbin Carroll if you want. 
for just defensive situations late in games. If sometimes you're like, you know what? Jake McCarthy struggling out here at the plate and in the field, late in the game, close one. We got someone dangerous at the plate that likes to hit to all fields. Let's put Alec Thomas out there as an extra roamer with a Corbin Carroll elite defense. So those are my 11 locks for the D-backs roster. So that leaves two spots open on the bench. Of course, that you already have two bench players when I just named 11 players. But that means two other bench spots are open, and that leaves it for... These are my candidates based off who we saw last year and also who we acquired this offseason. Haven Smith. I don't really want to get into minor leaguers too much. Like Blaze Alexander is on the 40-man roster, but he's in double A. I don't he's like 21 years old. I don't think he's cracking the D-backs roster this year unless he hits 700 in spring training. So I want to keep it to realistic guys. Haven Smith, Kyle Lewis, who we traded for from the Seattle Mariners, Geraldo Perdomo, Emmanuel Rivera, Diego Castillo, who we traded for. From the Pittsburgh Pirates, Buddy Candy and Seth Beer. So that's seven players for two spots. So let's just go through each of these players and see what the case by case is for each one. Because for Paven Smith, I think it's the fact that he was a first round pick by the D backs, that the fact that he's spent multiple seasons already within the organization, knows it inside and out, knows what his. I think the problem is we don't know what his role would be. That's the biggest issue with Paven Smith because he's not a great first base defender. He can't play in the outfield. Do you just use him as a DH? It's not like he's elite against righties. Solid contact hitter, but he's not giving you power or speed. So it's like, do you really want a Paven Smith on your roster? That's a good question. Kyle Lewis is a very intriguing option for one of the D-backs bench spots. This is someone that has... One rookie of the year as recently as 2020, where he looked really good that season. He's someone that does have some pop, but also injuries have played a major part of his career. Barely played the last two years because of injuries. So there's a big question mark as to how good is he because he hasn't really played the last couple of years. So can he get back to that rookie of the year level? Geraldo Perdomo, still super raw. Man, shortstop for the whole year last year, but didn't really look ready to do it. Bats not major league ready. Defense is eh, at best, so it's like, should Perdomo get one of those bench spots? Emmanuel Rivera? The question with the, the problem with Emmanuel Rivera is he can play third base, he can play first base, but with Rojas, Walker, and Evan Longoria, do you really need a fourth guy to play third and first? Uh, I don't really know if you need that. Diego Castillo? Acquired from the Pittsburgh Pirates last season, or excuse me, this offseason experience. Not really quality or anything. It's not like he's going to be turning heads or breaking any records like that. Diego Castillo is a pretty, um, just a baseline major leaguer. Like if you had to pick him up in MLB The Show, he's probably like a 70 overall. He had 11 home runs in 96 games last year, so he's got a little pop. So maybe you're interested in a Diego Castillo. Buddy Kendi ever in down, who had a little cup of tea, cup of coffee with the D-backs last year. I don't think he was bad or anything, but he just feels a little redundant with the other players we have. He started really hot, if you remember, like that first week, week and a half with the D-backs, and then just tailed off dramatically. Not too sure Buddy Kendi's a real major leaguer. Same with Seth Beer. Really hot those first two, three weeks with the D-backs last season. Carried the offense the first two or three weeks last year with the D-backs. Can't play defense. Pretty much primarily a DH. So it's like, do I need Seth Beer on my bench? So I just named seven guys, all of them with major red flags. And if I had to dwindle down among one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, if I had to pick two of those seven guys, I mean, 
D-backs already have Guriel, Carroll, McCarthy, and Thomas as outfielders. Rojas could play a little outfield too, but really four main outfielders. So should the D-backs add a fifth outfielder out there in a Kyle Lewis, but with the injuries he's had, he might not really play the outfield. And Paven Smith is not really going to play the outfield. So there's not really... If you give it to one of these players I just mentioned, none of them are really going to play the outfield. You're mostly looking at infielders and DHers. And if I'm going to go in that direction, then I kind of want Kyle Lewis on my bench because I know he's mostly, mainly, just going to play DH, but he is someone with upside in his mid-20s. Like I said, rookie of the year. I know the injuries have hurt him the last couple of years, but it costs you nothing to acquire him. You gave up Cooper Hummel. So if he stinks, he stinks. But I would at least like to see what Kyle Lewis looks like to see if he can ever get back to that ceiling that he displayed in 2020. Because if he did, that's a major upside flyer for only giving up Cooper Hummel. I would roll the dice on a Kyle Lewis and just see how he does as the DH. Then the other guy who I would probably give it to, just because I think the D-backs need another backup shortstop, most likely another up-the-middle guy, because it's basically Marte, Rojas, and Ahmed, and Ahmed missed time, missed the whole season last year, basically, with injury. Rojas and Marte missed time also with injury. So just because of that, I think I would make Perdomo, the man who was on shortstop all of last year, the other bench spot, even though I probably like... Emmanuel Rivera better as a position player in terms of offense with upside, but in terms of logic and who can help out this team on days other people need rest, I'll probably go Geraldo Perdomo. So my overall final roster, Kelly, Moreno, Walker, Longoria, Marte, Rojas, Gurriel, Carroll, McCarthy, Ahmed, Thomas, Kyle Lewis, and then Geraldo Perdomo would be my 13 position players that make it to the D-backs active roster. And now, let's jump into that conversation for the final part with Sully Baseball. Oh, yeah. Okay, now, we've done these ridiculously early division picks. Yeah. Let's do the ultimate okay. exercise in stupidity. What is our ridiculously early World Series prediction? Man, you want to do that on today's pod? Do you want? Why to- not? Why don't we? Try, <laughs> okay. I mean, what do we? We talked yesterday about freaking Avatar and Top Gun. I mean, let's My go. Word. Let's just. Let's uh-huh. just well, well, this isn't our official pick. I'm. This is our like Whew. right here. What do you think? Right here, uh, just because I just want to pick this team out the American League every year until they prove me wrong. The Houston Astros, I'm picking again to go to the World Series. They're just so freaking dominant in the regular season. They get to the postseason, what, last year? Did they lose maybe one playoff game and route to the World Series? Maybe they didn't lose any? Like They, they were lose it. The only two games they lost were in the World Series, games one and three of the World Series. Yeah, they're a freaking juggernaut. Jose Altuve still looks like the best second baseman in baseball. They have won the most stacked lineups. They just added Jose Abreu. Even after losing Verlander, like we talked about, they still have three or four legit number two, number one starters in that rotation. Young guys coming through that bullpen as well. Love the text. I love the Houston Astros as my first World Series pick out the American League. Then out the National League, I'm picking a team that almost made it last year because they got all the way to the championship series but didn't make it to the World Series. And that is the San Diego Padres. As much as I hate them out my own division, I can't 
help that I love that dude, X-Man Xander Bogarts. I think he's going to be a huge addition. You also get a full season of Juan Soto with the Manny Machado, with Xander Bogarts. And of course, you eventually expect Fernando Tatis Jr. back. I think he's going to miss, what, like 50 games or something like that. So he'll still have probably around 100 games played as well this season. Darvish, Joe Musgrove. I like this Padres team. They could hit. They could pitch. I think they have a perfect balance of everything. The Dodgers are going to be right there. The two NL East teams are going to be right there. But Xander Bogarts, that winning culture coming over from Boston. I'm picking Padres versus Houston Astros in the World Series. That's my pick, too. Wow, look at this guy. Yeah, even though I think the Dodgers are going to win the division, I think the Padres are going to make it through there. Um, let's Let's make this interesting, though. Okay. Pick an American League pennant winner, okay. but you can't pick the Astros. I can't pick the Astros. If I can't pick the Astros, I'm going to ride with the team that's been trying to get over the hump and back to the World Series since 2009. Carlos Rodon is the difference maker. I'm going with the New York Yankees. And also just because it's like if you don't pick the Yankees, if you're telling me I can't pick the Astros, it's like who else out there in American League do you want me to pick? It's either the Blue Jays. Or it's the Seattle Mariners. Like there's, I think there's like, it's like a four team race for the American League pennant. I just think the American League talent pool, like you're talking about the NL, there's the haves and have nots. I feel more, I feel more about that in terms of the American League. I feel like the top is really good with the Mariners, the Astros, the Yankees, and I guess the Cleveland Guardians and the Blue Jays. And I guess you could put the Rays and then everyone else. I'm like, they're like, basically the teams from last year that made the playoffs, I think are going to be the favorites to make the playoffs again. And then everyone else, I'm like, they could potentially have a top five pick coming to them this season. I think it's going to be the Blue Jays. If it, I think it's going to be the Astros, but if I can't pick the Astros, I would pick the Blue Jays. I think they, as I said, a lot of they had a lot of disappointing uh, years last year, and Montoyo was not having the team that well the first playing that well the first half. Um, I think there's a lot of talent on that team. I think they're better this year, um, but I'm, this is just the pick. If I can't pick the Astros, I just think the Astros are so much better than everybody else. So, I mean, that's why I wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, the um, Astros are basically the baseball version of, like, the Golden State Warriors or the Kansas right City. Now, yeah, right now, yeah. You should now. just pick them against the field every year until they yeah. the wheels fall off. And I think the Padres – I think the Padres, Dodgers, Mets, Braves, and Phillies and Cardinals all have legit shots to win the pennant. Um, and if you said any of those names, I would have been perfectly fine with them. The star power in San Diego – as you said, they're going to have Soto for the whole year. They're going to have Bogarts for the whole year. I mean, they're they're adding to the team. They re-signed Darvish to, to stick around. I like the team. I think they're good. You know, Hayson Kim had a good year last year. Musgrove had a good year for them. I think they're. I think that in a short series with Los Angeles, I think they could win. It happened last year. Um, and Bob Melvin has a chance to finally win his championship. You have those two managers, Bob Melvin and Buck Schalter, this year's Dusty Baker, that they've done everything but win it all. And so uh, it'll be interesting to th see if one of them wins it. But I, I think that I actually think the Astros are going back to back. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to win their third straight pennant. And I think they're going to go back to back uh, as uh, World Series champions. Let me ask you another question, Sully. Which conference do you think is better? You might have already conference? answered. Conference? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Or league, because I know you're talking about the feast and famine. Just because when I look at the teams that we don't think are true World Series contenders, the D-backs, Giants, Marlins, Cubs, Brewers, like I think those are all really feisty and teams that have a chance of at least making a playoff uh, conversation happening. I look at the American League. It's like, uh, I don't know. After in the Central, it's like the White Sox, Tigers, Royals I'm not in on, Orioles, Red Sox, uh, uh, uh the east i guess or what's the other division oh the west i mean you don't like the angels you don't like the rangers you don't like the oakland a's i just think the middleman tier of teams in the national league is just a lot better than those middleman tiers i don't think there's many middleman teams in the national league i think that there i think that the you can look up and down the american league and see some teams that are kind of close to each other mm-hmm. you know i think there's only one legitimately great team in the american league and that's houston um, how many terrible teams are there in the American League? The Tigers and the Royals. And I think the I think the A's are better than people think. Oh I my think god! How can you say all these other teams are minor league teams? Then you look at the fine, A's fine. I'll throw better. the A's. I just don't throw understand your logic. I'll throw the A's in there, but I don't think there's any team that's as bad as the Reds. I don't think there's any team as bad as the Nationals. I don't think there's any team as bad as the Rockies. Is uh, any team as bad as the Pirates? That's Seriously, right. we might have to have like a personal bet here. I'll I'll take my NL bottom feeders over the AL bottom. How feeders. are we gonna? How do we quantify that? <laughs> Just the win totals, I guess. We'll take the three worst teams the NL. You can take the three worst teams the American League, and I'll okay, I'll we'll take figure, the win total. Yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. And by the way, I just want to while while I have all of your attention here, I just want to thank you so much for making Lockdown MLB your first listen every day. Have your second listen, obviously, it's going to be locked on Diamondbacks. Your third listen, have that be locked on MLB Prospects. Our host, Lindsey Crosby, he's a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Miller Thomas, we got to we gotta end this. Yeah, we've been Not talking this podcast. for a while. We got to end this friendship. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, disrespect the D-backs. Think the Tigers are better than them. I didn't know. No, I didn't the backs have a legit shot at being a wildcard team. Um, okay, you have a legit shot to be a host of a wildcard team podcast. So tell people where they can find Ooh. Oh, that's right. The Locked On D-Backs podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, my personal Twitter, at CreatorThomas24. Follow the show account, Locked On Dimebacks, just by typing in the little search bar, Locked On Dimebacks, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, we're on all your streaming platforms and we're on YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked On Dimebacks YouTube channel. Easy for you to say. And uh, I'm at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Slime at Slide Baseball on Twitter, Slide Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Doing a couple of heated podcasts with Miller Thomas doing our ridiculously early predictions. This has been a Lockdown MLB, Lockdown Box crossover. I'm Sully. He's Miller Thomas. Let's fist pump till next week. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Shout out to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.